Hi there, Peter Williams here. Hey, did you ever wonder how RCR is funded? Well, we're grassroots funded, which means everyday Kiwis contribute to keeping us on air. If you want us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives and a reality check you won't get anywhere else, then please visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. In 2023, we chatted to Claire Bleakley, the president of GE Free NZ, a couple of times before the election in September, then after the election. And uh, we were wondering what um, Claire thought and GE Free NZ thought was coming down the line with the change of government. I think it's a good time to catch up with Claire again in early 2024. So Claire Bleakley of GE Free NZ, welcome back to RCR. It's good to have you back. Welcome, welcome, um, and thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I had a fantastic time catching up with all the reality check um, <laughs> yeah. replays. It was really fantastic. So happy new year, and thank you for inviting me. And thank you for saying that, and you'd be one of the better informed people in the country having done that, just saying. Of course. <laughs> a good timing. Um, where do we start? We've just heard about GM Bananas. What's What's happened there? Okay, just before Christmas, um, uh, in one of those radio shows that we ran, we talked about the concern we had with GM bananas being released into the food chain, but also being released to be planted. Uh, this was for a virus that affects, that has been in uh, in bananas since the early 1900s. Right. Um, however, the GM banana has been approved, but on the condition that it would only be grown or used if there was a devastating outbreak of this virus uh, right. in the bananas. Yeah. So that is their um, rider on it. However, what we aren't aware of is Will the consumer be told and will there be adequate labelling because these bananas will contain the GMO gene and under our labelling laws, anything that has the DNA converted over 1%, it has to be labelled. Right. We did write to um, some people in the Northland that are trying to develop an emerging banana industry here. And I think they are sourcing some of their little pups to grow those bananas for diversification, to have a diversified um, plantation. Um, they are highly concerned and very, very much against having GE bananas anywhere near the growing systems in New Zealand. So you're talking about Panama disease? Is that the the that is the, the disease, disease yeah. that they have been um, engineered for? However, they're talking about sort of as 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 diseases develop, sort of adding more and more genetic um, resistance genes or changing the genes to make them more resistant. Uh, as new diseases develop. So in the end, what we'll have what we call stacked genes against these diseases, and that 
has an incredibly uh, dangerous, well, let's just say that there has there is no expertise with which for Sands has been able to say, have you eaten this? Have you shown that it's safe to eat? There has been no safety studies. So they approved it without safety. So we don't know as a consumer how these genetic changes are going to affect the consumer's health. Um, the other thing, too, is organic banana growers up in Australia have actually found that it is a soil-borne bacterium, Fusarium, and it if you can somehow grow certain plants like onion plants and stuff like that, you can make the disease almost non-existent. So okay. it's actually dirty soil. So these monocultures are grown for, say, 10 years in dirty soil. And what they're trying to say is instead of cleaning up our soil and the microorganisms, we're going to clean up, we're going to just start genetically modifying plants to supposedly tolerate. Now, what was really interesting in the information we got was these bananas were the first three years they grow into trees. And about the fourth year, I think they start producing bananas. But from the fourth year, they only gave us six years of trials. By the fourth year, already those plants had started to lose their resistance. And that is the problem. Okay. Is, are we going to ignore the environmental um, conditions that produces these wilts? Or are we just going to keep going? And I think it is a dangerous thing to have approved something for the food chain without any safety testing. And don't you also encourage the pathogen or the disease to morph itself? To mutate. Uh, and mutate around, you know, what's put in front of it? Uh, I mean, is that's my concept of it. Well, bacteria swap genes by what they call horizontal gene transfer. And I think, you know, that a virus can easily sort of um, snuggle up to another virus. And if there's a selective advantage, they will swap genes and then they will have a new variant. And just to go off topic, for the sake of argument, we had a specific COVID virus. We now have mutations of that virus that are right up to, I think it's around about its seventh or eighth mutation. Now, how has it mutated and has it mutated with its other coronaviruses? We don't know, and these tests have not been done. So there is real concern that if they do by the time they say, oh my gosh, we've got a problem, these trees won't be resistant to the problem of that mutation. Yeah, then you can just find another one and make more money. Um, oh, no. I, I, I see in terms of risk assessment, the regulator, so that is FS, how do you say that? Food Standards Australia, Australia New, New Zealand. Zealand. FS I say Sands. okay. Yeah. Um, are saying that um, the regulator has determined that the release of GM banana plants poses negligible risk to the health and safety of people or the environment with no specific measures imposed to manage the risk. Very relaxed. <laughs> Aren't they very yeah. relaxed about it? 
Well, the the problem that we've got is New Zealand does supposedly doesn't have the expertise to evaluate the food, the GM foods. So we have had a trans-Tasman relationship, a call the food code, that allows Australia to make our decisions. Now, there are two problems. Um, over in America, they have allowed... Um, but they allow uh, a lot of, let's say they're very, very loose in what they term GMOs and they do, they deregulate a whole lot and they've just done that. Australia has a free trade deal with the Americas. So if they banned this type of technology, they would be in contravention, oh, okay. even though it's a safety issue, with their free trade deal. We, under CER, have a free trade deal with Australia. So it's this domino effect that is starting to come throughout the world with multi-corporations deciding with their free trade deals the safety or the, or the fact that they don't have to do the safety because the country that they are based in doesn't require regulation. And so if they don't, then so should every other country follow. And that is of concern. These would have to be labelled, wouldn't they? Well, the, These bananas you, you, with this, this, you've uh, just read out a little thing that says we have we haven't really looked at anything on this. Uh, uh, yes, I would say they have to be labelled. Now, yeah. I did take a court case um, that was turned down about one of their decisions they made, and it was to have 2,4-D as a toxic spray in our food, our food chain uh, for genetically modified corn, and I disagree. It was turned down, and I sought a legal opinion and that legal opinion said, sorry, any public or submitter cannot oppose any of the food standards decisions. Uh, they are not allowed to oppose it in any way through the courts, but only the applicant can. Oh, okay. So if Fasans does turn down an application, the applicant can sue them. But on top of that, if they turn down an application, food standards has to return all the money that they paid to have that evaluation. So okay. in a way, every single application, almost to the word, will actually have food standards consider this as a safe as 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 the conventional it is they don't even worry it's a cut and paste across the whole board of when they approve and they have never not approved a, a submission that's been open for public comment right yeah and um if if we see any of this this um product these bananas they'll come via australia won't they they'll be grown in australia is that where they'll be grown? Well, they will be grown in Australia, but there is the very strong possibility if they're not labelled. You see, they may be labelled as disease-resistant, not genetically modified, uh, right there. So we may import 
this is our danger. We may import the seed stock or the root stock or the pup stock into New Zealand into our developing banana industry. Yeah, and we know it is developing, yeah. And we don't have any pests or diseases here. No, not yet. <laughs> not um, yet. And, and, and the problem is, is we've just, yeah, I, I think what would be good is if we did contact the banana growers and i can give you the name of that no we've we've talked to um a couple of those um growers over, yeah. over time so we're kind of across that yeah the the thing with labeling you don't in my mind what do i know i'm a dumb guy in the street here but just because it's you say it's not something it is different so people need to know that there's a difference right i mean it's not good enough to say well we didn't find anything wrong with this product, so therefore we're not going to label anything. We're going to treat it just like any other product. No, in reality, it is different. People need to know that, surely. Absolutely. And so labeling will definitely, without a doubt, if it is sold as a fresh banana from Australia, it will have to be labeled. However, uh, there are exemptions for high-processed foods. Right, Yeah. And the other thing too is if they are loose and not in, you know, wrapped up or processed in, they don't have to be labelled. Okay. So you could have, all right, a genetically modified corn from America. If it was loose on the shelf, it doesn't have to be labelled as genetically modified. <laughs> it's all over the place, isn't it? I know. All right. It, it yep. is seriously. There are serious exemptions that are wrong, which moves us on to uh, the cultured quail. Yeah, what's all that about? I, I all I can visualize is you know the quail sort of hopping along. No, not, talking, nothing quite as talking like that. No, live as that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as, as alive. Okay, it's so, definitely not alive. What yes. it is yep. is they take an a developing embryo of a quail. At about, I think about, they said about 17 days. I'm not sure, but within that. So it's almost fully formed. They then, uh, I was going to say Nyonga, but they, they then kill it and yeah. sacrifice it and then extract the blood from it and right. or the embryonic cells, it's what they call it. Yeah. They then put that into a flask with a whole lot of chemicals. GE growth promoters, sugars, salts, uh, GE produced vitamins, culture media that's confidential. Um, it is often whilst they're ga gaining the stuff, they freeze it with a whole lot of chemicals to keep it viable. So we've got this whole food chain where they call it meat or quail, but actually it's a synthetic gloop which just happens to use quail cells. And what it's supposed to do within this process, they put it in a little flask and grow up the quail cells mm. or multiply them up. And then they're going to put them in a massive uh, vat, very like what it sounds like, those um, fermentation vats that um, Vintiers, winemakers use, right? Mm -hmm. With more of this um, bovine porcine uh, GE en genetically engineered growth factors 
that's been engineered into barley seed for some reason. Oh, then yeah. they're going to grow it up in these big vats. What I did hear literally as we talk is Singapore has approved chicken to be made this way. So they make it into chicken nuggets. But what actually the story is with the chicken nuggets is that these massive vats, when they grow up, because of the incredibly rich media, they tend to develop bacteria and virus problems. Mm. So they've had to throw away a ton of this media. So that comes to the next stage, which is all these genetically modified cells are then thrown away. Where are they put? Are they going to contaminate the landfills? Are they going to be properly autoclaved? Are they going to go, because it's liquid, into the waterways? And how will they affect everything? So really, we are just polluting our environment. Um, and the other thing, too, with this cultured quail cells, they do not believe uh, food standards does not have any regulatory guidelines with which to approve cultured cells. But on top of not having any regulatory guidelines, they don't require food testing uh, for consumers to eat this. So we don't know what kind of allergies might turn up. But they all they say is, oh, yes, uh, barley has a little bit of a gluten allergy. And so we need to warn people that there's a little bit of gluten in the barley. There's... That is unbelievable when you see the culture of these growth hormones, genetically engineered, all of this. They have no expertise in this. So that's our concern. And um, where are we going to look? Where is this proof? And they are looking at it now without needing to know about the allergic effects, the toxicity or the bioactivity of these substances. It sounds like some sort of horror movie. <laughs> well, you, know, you know those Star Trek kind of things when you're out space and you eat a little bit of a, I can't explain it, it's a sort of a, a, a square of something. Yeah. Well, yeah it's like, this kind yeah. of thing that they're looking at. Space you know, food. Maybe, maybe they're hoping to send all this stuff to the, to the astronauts that are going to go to Mars or something. Well, I wouldn't take it if I was an astronaut. I, I, would, I wouldn't. Um, the thing is, again, that this, it's so relaxed. It's it, it's so assuming that that um, you know we're so smart, and, and yet, as you say, who knows what this could do to people? And I mean, what's wrong with just having chicken? Well, rather than trying to sort of like. Um, you know, redo it Frankenstein method um, when it's already, it's already, data's already done it, you know. Uh, I, th I think uh, you made a comment a while back about the fact that we don't actually eat quails. So they yeah. are an elite substance. They're an elite food. A delicacy. And, and we don't eat it. So I don't know how, what, how and why they are trying to do it this way. But what I do know is the food standards does not have the expertise or the will to look after public health, which is their main point of... Yeah, I don't get that. That's the no. problem I have trying to work that one out because they should be 
solid gatekeepers. I mean, That's I have experience. I, I'm trying to get an old airplane back to the country. I have to go through all these hoops to to get every bit of bio, any problem that could be a, a bio problem Has eliminated. Like you wouldn't believe it. And they're incredibly strict, incredibly strict. In fact, they could scupper the whole thing because of, of that strictness. Now, I haven't got a problem with that because I get why it's like that. But that doesn't seem to be applied in in an area where you'd think the same vigilance should be applied, you know? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it, they are charged, as you say, as the regulator expert gatekeepers to look at health safety if you eat a food product. Yeah. And there and the, and years back I went to a seminar and I asked that very question. How are you going to post monitor? Because they talk about post monitoring of a release. How are you going to post monitor? And they said we won't be able to because we won't know whether it's the pesticide, the allergen, uh, whether GMO will just be one of many, 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 many factors that could be causing your ill health. And so, really, what they want to do is release it. But then the arguments will be you shouldn't have eaten it or it's not it's not the GMO, it's the pesticide. It's not the pesticide. It's the fact that you had an argument with your partner in the morning and you were yeah. upset. Do you yeah. see what I mean? And I so do, yeah. where it's going to be almost impossible to prove safety. The only way we can prove it is to have um, feeding tests, consumer yeah, who would, tests. Who would volunteer for that, I wonder? Well, they they say it's an ethical issue, and so they don't. That's why they don't do it. Yeah, but but eating it is an ethical issue in a way too, or making it yeah. available, or, or having it in the marketplace. Well, look what they did with the band aids. Yeah, you know this is the same thing. We're just going to release it, and if you choose to eat it, then it's at your own risk, really. A um, couple more topics to cover before we time out. Okay, yes. uh, Environmental Protection Agency, wasps through gene drives. What are gene drives? Gene drives are the um, modification of an insect or or an animal that means that when that it is dominant, so when that animal, usually it's a male, um, mates with the female, specifically the wild female, all the progeny will be either one sex or in the mosquito, um, the larvae, when they reached a certain state, they have like five what they call instars. As they grow, they shed a, shed their thing and they grow a bit bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. When it's on its bud, its third one, it was supposed to suicide. Oh. Well, it didn't happen. And so what a gene driver is, is inheriting a lethal or a sterility gene that drives through the populations and eventually collapses them. Okay. Well, when when we're talking about wasps, I think there are so many species of wasps, even here in New Zealand, native species. Um, what What species of wasps are we talking about? We're talking, I think, specifically by about the what they call the vespular wasps, um, not the social wasps. Is that the German wasp? That's the German wasp, uh, but there yeah. are two or three. There's a paper wasp and another type of wasp. But 
it's specifically those ones, but they have a vital role to play. It's not their fault that they were brought over here. They were probably brought over here as a bio insect uh, to try and kill something else. Oh, so that's that, that's the rationale because they're not native. We can destroy them, obliterate them. Uh, right? that, well, no, they're a pest. They've become a pest. Okay, so, so what, they are what, an actual pest. Is, yeah. So so they've been described as a pest because what they do is they create honeydew, which then creates insects, which then creates create. It, it's this domino effect again. Um, and so what's happened is uh, the Otago University, the Professor Dearden, has received $11 million. Um, there is a, a – it could be $9 million and the GST makes it up to eleven, which okay. is a possibility. So we've yep. got two different figures being put through the media. But what the story is, they've, re- they've received nearly $10 million worth of uh, money from the Ministry of Business and uh, innovation and enterprise um, to basically consult on whether gene drives are going to be something New Zealand would like. Sorry, eleven million, and that could include GST, or maybe yes. nine million to consult. Really? Well, we haven't got a clarification because the Environmental Protection Agency has not received an application to develop or create these. So we're not sure whether this is preempting the government's change in loosening the laws. What they want to do is create an agency that is run through the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Enterprise. Yep, yep. Um, and they also will hold the money. And they're taking it away from environmental and um, and public protections through to a business model. So what will happen inevitably if there is this, I just I haven't seen the application, but most likely they would have made a business um, a business case of why gene drives would be needed, not whether gene drives are safe for New Zealand and the business, Innovation and enterprise does not have the expertise to look at safety. And if the law is changed, and what we are seeing is if the law is changed, this organization will totally and utterly override all environmental protections in its assessment and approvals of GMOs. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. Wouldn't like to be a German wasp. No. <laughs> In the firing line big time. Well, the thing is, is they have done mosquitoes. And the interesting thing is, is these wasps will most likely be patented. And mosquitoes have been released in Brazil, I yep. think Florida, and they cost a dollar, a US dollar fifty each mosquito. So millions of mosquitoes have been um released. Okay, because someone actually owns that. Mosquito. Intellectual, yeah. So what will happen is the countries that use this technology will be charged for its use. But the other thing too is if you have a friendly wasp and you decide that you want these friendly wasps and there is some kind of gene transfer 
firstly, it will collapse them. But if you do decide that you want them, you might be charged a patent right. You don't know. <laughs> this is, we don't know. But what we do know is where there has been a study, the mosquitoes, the wild mosquitoes, around about 5 to 7% of them now are resi carry a resistance gene to this lethal gene, plus another, most mosquitoes carry one vector disease, like, the uh, Zika or the malaria or whatever, there's yep. now um, a mosquito that carries both the Zika oh, great. and the malaria. So they can actually now be resistant and pass on those diseases if they grow up. And that is our problem. They so also found... Sorry, they also found with the male mosquitoes, because they didn't have the right smell, the wild-type females didn't seek them out. They ah, tended okay. to stay with their the ones they knew. <laughs> so to speak, yeah. So MBR involved because it's a it's an IP slash business opportunity to sell patented wasps into marketplaces is that really what it's about well the law hasn't been changed so they have to go for the development of them through the wasps i believe that they are anticipating the law so they're getting the funding early uh, they no, may no, even no. start the development before anything but no they've got to consult with the public i think but they're starting with maori first oh why why would that be then because um, under uh, because the indigenous people might value wasps more than let's say the scientific uh, rhetoric. Well, wouldn't we value wasps as well? I think what will happen is that we will be consulted after they've consulted. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's actually an in interesting way. I mean, if Maori say no then yeah. it's no use consulting anywhere else. Yeah, but $11 million. <laughs> I, I quite agree. We'll leave it there, but what yeah, we can this, see yeah. is that there is big money being put forward to um, pressure and influence decisions. Can you imagine that when your consultation, if your iwi is given a million dollars to consult, yeah. maybe there will be a pressure also to find a way in a way that is advantageous to the well, outcome. Uh, okay. Um, I don't like to think that, but that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that there could yeah, be a possibility. Yeah. I right. mean, that's a possibility, and we hope that. Well, we know the human condition. We, yes. We know how that works. And, and, that and we do hope that uh, Professor Dearden is enough of a scientist. Okay. So, Claire, tell us about the decision or determination, whatever you call it, that the Environmental Protection Agency has just made regarding null segregants. And then, if you don't mind, tell us what they are. Oh, yes. Well, this this decision is incredibly controversial. So Plant and Food uh, wrote for a determination to see whether null segregants would be classed as GMOs. However, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency came back and said that they weren't GMOs. Now, this goes against their own 
determination in the earlier stages on um, GE field trials to do with onions. It goes against the High Court that found that gene editing should be classed as a GMO and then could not escape regulation. And even the New Zealand Hazardous Substance and New Organisms Act specifically states that plants that come from a parent or any kind of progeny that has been genetically modified should be considered as a GMO and should be regulated. So at this stage, the null segregants are plants that have not had their tray detected. That doesn't mean it doesn't contain it. It means that through their very clear tracing, they can't trace that it carries the tray that it was engineered for. However, null segregants come as a progeny of a GMO, and that process can cause unintended effects throughout the plant, not just where the trait has been put in. And so any progeny could inherit that trait. And for example, we have, uh, it is actually used for speeding up processes. For the sake of argument, you get a fruit tree that flowers every four years. So they have somehow doubled the gene or done something to make the tray produce flowers every year. Now, as we have a thing called the Mendelian effect, which means that one in every four on average will throw a gene that doesn't appear to have that trait, but it could still have all the unintended off-target effects from the process of genetic engineering. There is nothing stopping that plant also from necessarily when it breeds again and again, throwing every so often a genetically modified seedling. So we believe that there are dangers, firstly, to the economy, secondly, to farmers' livelihoods, because if this trait doesn't work right, it could fail. So really what happens is a early flowering plant will flower every year. But as Jack Heinemann says, the faster you develop something, the more likely, even if there are benefits, like it will have flowering every year, the potential for harm increases with the increased use of the technique. But safety does not. So regulations can control any harm scaling. So what we are looking at is that the EPA has yet again misinterpreted New Zealand law. It has gone outside its um, brief. The Sustainability Council also took a case to the High Court regarding genetic editing. And it classified gene-edited plants were incorrectly legally interpreted and that gene-editing techniques were subject to regulatory oversight. And the EPA themselves have recognised that 
null segregants from the GE onion field trial were considered GMOs. So the Act has not changed and the EPA has overstepped its interpretation and public trust has been totally undermined by this decision. And the EPA must reconsider its determination in light of the Act and not of what is happening overseas. I guess my biggest concern here is that we are anticipating the law that hasn't changed and we are endangering New Zealand. And what it is, is there's a whole lot of genetic engineers that are stuck in a laboratory. They They do not want to follow the HASNOAX rules, which are you've got to show safety before you release it for each stage. And because they can't show safety, because they don't want to, and there's no money in showing safety, because they want to get the product out to recoup the money and the patents that they want, what's happening is they don't want to show safety. So the way they're getting around it is trying to say, well, is this within the law or is this not? Or what we do have, and I think I mentioned this, that Under the OIA, the GE ryegrass is a significant failure and it cost the New Zealander $25 million to trial in the US. Yep. And they started that trial in about 2018. And at the early 2019, before it had hardly been planted or come up, they actually said that 2018 was a failure because there was a delay in the planting. But they went to the National Party and they helped them to write their GMO policy on the understanding of their opinion of how this grass was going to work. So the National Party has not actually looked at the outcome They've only looked at the rhetoric and opinion and hope that the genetic engineers were going to get from this. And, of course, it failed. But everybody is repeating the mantra that the GE ryegrass is going to be New Zealand's saving grace. (laughs) Okay. And so how they're getting round all of this is they are loosening the laws and we have to be incredibly careful because we are going to be, in the end, inundated with GMOs that possibly are null segregants, no labelling, nothing, and it will destroy the organic industry, it will destroy the conventional industry, it will destroy brand New Zealand and the hope that we can no longer say we would be GE-free. And so Europe will turn around, I believe, and say, well, look, we if everything's going to be GE, why buy from New Zealand when we can buy uh, something closer to home? You know, the sad thing is, I think, Claire, is that we're probably dumb enough to do that. I I think it's not – I think what it is is the big multi-corps have used New Zealand – as a testing ground, and if anything goes wrong, we have to pay the risk and the cleanup costs. Uh, they've they've used us as a dumping ground, but in that they've paid. They're now saying, as you have failed in everything, 
The payback is we want you to loosen your laws so we can get GE into your country. Right. So we are being totally and utterly pressured by big business, multi-corps, agri-corps, biotechnology overseas. And what is interesting is New Zealand has some of the most amazing existing non-transgenic pastures that are releasing, uh, are able, if there was promotion to take it up, uh, regenerative organic, but also the mixed glaze, the natives that we have, all of this are superior and only found in this country uh, that natives are only found. And if they get affected, we have got a massive problem. Yep. Wow. And that goes back to the wasps, sorry. So if our little wasps are affected anyway, they are one of the biggest pollinators of our native Yeah, bleep that one out. Yeah, that's not so good. No. All right, Claire, thanks for bringing us up to date. A lot to think about there and to follow. And people can go to your website, can they, to sort of see all this in one place and and, – and find out even more. So our website number is www.gfree.org.nz. Yep. And we have up-to-date information on everything that's happening on the GMO issue within New Zealand. Right. And also links to overseas. All right, Claire Bleakley, president of GFree NZ. Thanks for coming back on RCR, Claire. Well, thank you very, very much. And I hope that um, we will be able to keep you up to date on this. And thank you very much, RCR, for all the great work that you do. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.